Hello everybody and welcome to the new episode of the Blockchain Meditation Podcast, the podcast where we meditate about the business applications for blockchain and the value it brings to our business and personal life. On this episode, my guest is Shif Malik. Shif is a head of communications and marketing at Streamer, but he likes to describe himself as a chief evangelist. Shif is also a former journalist for The Guardians, author of two books and a founder of a think tank. With Shift, we will discuss the new model blockchain brings to data trading. Enjoy the episode. So Shif, uh, welcome to the show. Um, we can start by just uh, you briefly tell us more about yourself. So uh, my name is Shiv Malik. I am the chief evangelist, if you want, of Streamer. Uh, <laughs> but more officially, if you, uh, my title is a head of uh, comms and marketing. Uh, I'm a former journalist for The Guardian. I'm an author of two books, a founder of a think tank. And now I've got what I think is probably my most exciting project, um, working uh, with Streamer and the other members of our community and sort of building this uh, open source uh, uh, network for transporting real-time data uh, and alongside a marketplace. Nice. Uh, can you tell me about uh, more about uh, Guardian and your books? That's something I didn't know about. Yeah, so I was a journalist for about just over a decade uh, yeah so <laughs> quite a quite a long time uh, uh, mainly as an investigative journalist so I spent I don't know probably half that time uh, or, or throughout those sort of 10 years I had a specialism in terrorism and uh, you know so I've interviewed members of Al-Qaeda uh, did a lot of stuff on ISIS picked up sort of uh, one of the stories there that I did was, for example, like finding secret documents from ISIS, and I'm covering. So you met real Al Qaeda and real ISIS guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I've met people from the UK who've either gone out to fight for ISIS or sort of come back. Yeah, I've sort of had those conversations with them, usually online. But yeah, I've actually met high-ranking members of Al Qaeda before. Yes, um, oh. uh, I've got served tea uh, by uh, someone who was called by a Spanish judge. Uh, Osama bin Laden's a spiritual ambassador in Europe, and I met him in Jordan, uh, a guy called Abu Qatada. So, um, uh, you know, hey, uh, it's an exciting life for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I also did all sorts of other things. I didn't just have a specialism in terrorism. I also worked uh, for The Guardian and, you know, just um, uncovering UK government documents, uh, working on social policy stuff, so all sorts of things. Um, it was, a, you know, it's just it was a very fun career. Uh, the books that I wrote were about the first one that uh, came out about 2010 is about economics. And actually, that is what kind of led me in the end to this, because I was supposed to write a second book on economics. Uh, I've still got half of it written. And uh, and where I stopped is where I got interested in, in crypto uh, and fell into the rabbit hole. And, and I'm still here, <laughs> if you want, uh, all these years later um, or, or two and a half years later. So, um, and then I've got another book coming out now, which is uh, a book that I wrote a long time ago, actually, even before that book in 2010, but it just took all these years to come out. It's a very long saga, uh, but it's coming out in a few months. So what was the thing um, that, you know, attracted you to the blockchain? I mean, what was the particular you know, thing that you stopped at? 
Well, I was writing a book on cooperativism uh, and cooperatives and, and mutuals. Uh, this is kind of basically kind of, you know, if you've ever been to a supermarket that's a co-op, you know, you'll kind of vaguely know that you come in as a stakeholder and, you know, you, but you never really, you know, dig into the, what are the economic models behind a co-op uh, or, you know, insurance companies, often mutuals. Um, and, you know, you might think that you're getting maybe cheaper pricing, but, you know, no one really thinks deeply about these things. But for me, I found that to be a wonderful meld uh, between, if you want, communitarian values, um, as represented maybe more formally by sort of socialism and bits of communism, if you want, um, and liberalism, um, where, mm -hmm. you know, you can have more open markets and capitalism, um, but also that ability to have your own personal and private freedoms away from the state and state imposition. Uh, uh, so that's really what I was kind of like, you know, is there a way out of all of this mess? Uh, you know, that also isn't, you know, high globalism where, you know, people just don't have any location and don't feel a rootedness uh, in a place and don't want to invest in a place because of that and feel very upset when people come along to that place that they have invested in suddenly can, you know, uh, be part of that system without paying in uh, on the kind of micro level of immigration, if you want, at the higher level, like, you know, the Starbucks phenomena of kind of, you know, they come in and they shut all the other local shops down effectively. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do you get out of those problems? So those, those are the problems that I thought were very interesting. And for me, the problems why cooperatives, so this is quite a long rambling answer, but, but this is where we, we, we get to right into the depths, I think, of the Ethereum community is, uh, you know, how do you solve uh, the problem of how to start a cooperative, right? That's, that's really what holds cooperatives back. They're lovely. They really work. They have their, they have their issues. Um, but how do you start one? Because someone has to make that initial sacrifice. And lo and behold, ICOs were that way of solving how to start this. You know, in a sense, cooperatives and, and open source projects are somewhat similar. They have, you know, who invests? Because you don't get the money back out, right? Um, uh, mm -hmm. And you don't get to take all the rewards for yourself personally, which is how most regular startups and most regular sort of capitalist enterprises work, right? If there's no equity to, to own, how do, you, how do you win out in the end? Why would you invest to start with? Well, ICOs were a brilliant solve to that. Um, and in that sense, I thought, okay, hang on, maybe there's a solution here. And there is, I just haven't got back to the book. Uh, I got stuck into the practical realities of things. And I, I did about six months for, for working for Gollum and consulting with them. Um, uh, this is now sort of uh, me about this time in 2017, actually. So almost, uh, yeah, two, so two years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, uh, worked for, yeah, six months through all of that ICO mania, which was fascinating to watch. Um, and then I, I joined Streamer. Nice. Uh, so you've been through the crazy times with the ICO phase, definitely, which is uh, interesting to watch, as you mentioned. Um, you know, in the very beginning, I was, you know, really optimistic about how this uh, whole thing can turn out. But uh, in, in the middle of it, uh, you can clearly see the bubble coming. It was, you know, yeah, happy to see your point of view and, you know, uh, happy to read uh, what uh, what your takes on, on, on this uh, on this thing from economical st uh, point of view. Uh, yeah, I mean, watching that that wave break uh, was was just, you know, it was crazy. I, I sort of remember DevCon 3 and, mm -hmm. you know, that was in Cancun in Mexico. It's really inappropriate place in many senses. 
for well that give it away by the way <laughs> <laughs> having a deaf conference in cancun is something yeah no it was you know it was great just like i can remember you know swimming on the beach and it was wonderful but at the same time there's these kind of mass parties and sort of fireworks going on there's party atmosphere and lamborghinis are out and and i can remember in in consensus then not so long after that like the wave just breaking realizing that this is probably the end of the the party and that was probably a really good thing uh you know there were only so many uh, terrible projects and shit coins people could keep coming up with um, before everything would just burn to the ground anyway. Yeah, true. Okay, so let's talk more, uh, more about Streamer. Uh, you you know briefly tapped to it uh, in the very beginning. Can we go in more details now and tell us what Streamer is, uh, how Streamer works, and you know how you guys came up to the idea about Streamer? Yeah. Um, so the two main things that streamer has to offer the world uh, and that I certainly think will change it indelibly if we succeed are the network and the marketplace. Um, so let me take the first thing then first. So the network that we're trying to create is a real-time PubSub network uh, for real-time data. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, and it's peer to peer, so it's sort of uh, with a decentralized underlying architecture. Uh, and what does that mean if you're not technical? And I'm not technically minded, and so I'm not a dev. I don't have that dev background, as you've already heard. Um, but what does that mean in in a sense for for the world? Well, it means that you know at the moment, if you want to pass your real time data from one place to another place, basically you can do it in a couple of ways. One is using Amazon services or you know, Microsoft Azure services and things like that. Or you can do it by uh, spinning up your own server and using Apache Kafka software. And, and that comes with a problem because you have to spin up your own servers and keep them obviously online 24 hours and that's very expensive. If you want to go through Amazon services, then you're tied into that. And obviously now, you know, that as a problem is not, major, not a major thing perhaps and, and people can get around this, wouldn't it be nice, you could say, yes, if there was a sort of uh, effective, you know, decentralized network that could operate rather, you know, like the Bitcoin network, instead of mining nodes, though, people are oh, sorry, mining a Bitcoin um, uh, and transactions. Uh, people are, you know, th th those miners are, uh, are nodes in a network where uh, they're being paid to take your real time data and push it basically from one place to another. Uh, so that, that's how the network, that would be nice, but not world-changing. The problem is, is that when you get to things like smart cities and, you know, the internet of things, then you've got real issues because if you, you know, if this is going to work, you, you know, the world's data is going to have to be passed from one place to another. And is that all going to basically go through Amazon? Are we going to give over smart city infrastructure basically to, to Amazon to run? That is where it gets incredibly horrifying and that's why you need a decentralized network uh, it'll probably only work smart cities will probably only work if you have an underlying decentralized network just like the internet right the internet is a decentralized network it's operated by lots and lots of players there's no one needs central permissions to, to get on to start running things i mean people will remember obviously being able to for example set up your own email server um, you can still do that. Uh, people don't because it's not very convenient, but you can. And that's important that you can actually do that. I'm sure people still mm -hmm. use the, their own email service, for example. And businesses obviously do that all the time. 
Um, uh, but we need the same thing for IoT for smart cities uh, without it becoming this sort of Orwellian nightmare uh, and instead becoming, you know, hopefully this very convenient, but again, self-sovereign network. All right. Um, how how actually it works? I mean, let's uh, let's take for example. I'm um, I'm a user that you know generates data and how I integrate it with you guys. Yeah. So I sh- should I'll, I'll get into that in one second, but also to remind that right. this other thing, which is the the uh, the marketplace. So maybe we'll come back to the marketplace and what that does because I think that's a really valuable. Sure, sure, part. sure. But yeah, how do people integrate? Well, it's just um, you know, uh, it's actually. From our perspective, the idea is that we're trying to make this as easy as possible to integrate to. So with a you know a PubSub network, you really want things to be uh, incredibly easy to do. So, and other people have de- taken different attitudes to this um, and said, okay, look, we need a common um, protocol here, uh, uh, except we're going to do this, this, and this, and so everyone needs to integrate to our standard. And you know, the world of IT is a mess because of things like this. You know, if it isn't about being proprietary, it's about, well, our standards are better than your standards. And it's just a kind of a mess. So Henry, who is um, not just our CEO, but our CTO as well, uh, Henry Pagala, is, uh, um, he, you know, I love his outlook on the world, which is that whatever this standard is, it should be incredibly simple, and incredibly flexible, right? Uh, you know, there's there's lots of ways, as I said, to, to do this. and but the first thing has to be to be able to connect someone. So it's just a few lines of code. And you can find that uh, on our site at the moment. Actually, we're going to uh, releasing a, a new website. Probably by the time this program goes out, it'll be out. Uh, and, and that'll have all the dev docs there. It's really easy to do. Awesome. Um, and uh, one of the questions I had was, uh, how did you guys come to the idea? Well, what was the driver that, you know, Made you take in that direction? Um, uh, for Henry, I think uh, he always saw this the uh, this sort of network as a missing bit of the internet. He's like, look, if we if we want you know smart cities, we want IoT, if we want real time data to travel around the world properly, then you know mm-hmm. the internet at the moment doesn't do this, right? It doesn't have this protocol that sort of fits in. Um, with that, and so I think you know he, he's always had this idea that this would be the most obvious way to do it. The problem was is like how do you get that incentivization layer right? And uh, until you had crypto come along uh, and and allow for that to be built in, then you weren't going to get you know other parties joining in, uh, acting as nodes on a network in in that respect and saying yeah sure use my compute power um, to to push real time data unless they were going to be incentivized for it. So. So the, the, really, the the you know he he's got a background as an algorithmic trader, and and so do the other co-founders. Um, so you know they've been dealing with real-time data right at the coalface for a very long time. Um, you know one specific element of it, largely by and large, you know financial data. But you know suddenly, you know weather patterns are suddenly relevant to finance. Right, uh, what happens in one area of the world might affect stocks and trades in another. So uh, you know they're used to that that kind of thing, and that's actually how. And the streamer engine was built. It was built out of this need to ingest as many forms of machine data as possible um, to, to to make money out of it, right? Uh, <laughs> so, um, so they had to be flexible in that sense uh, and adjust to the world. But uh, yeah, that's where the, the the idea of the network came really out of that. All right. So you mentioned smart cities being one use case. What are other use cases that streamer might be applicable to? Yeah. So the other thing that 
Um, well, let, let me let me skip to this other thing that that we're, we're doing, which I, I find personally is the 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 other thing that sort of interests me massively, and and that I'm passionate about is um is our is our marketplace and specifically this which is the ability for people to own and control their own real-time data right we, we all create yeah. it we're all there creating it you know every minute of every day pretty much if you sit in front of a computer or a mobile phone or soon you know drive a car or just basically hold any device that is powered by electricity and is connected to something else you'll be creating real-time data um except none of us really as consumers certainly um, or as users of those products, like oh, control that data and therefore can be said to, to own it. Uh, and so that's massively problematic. We all know that problem. Uh, we've all been living it, with it for a while. Um, so in the end, how do you solve something like that? Well, I think, I think we're there, um, which is really exciting. Um, it's a feature we're calling on our marketplace community products. And uh, in a sense, it's uh, a way of creating data unions. It's a way of, because you've got these three essential problems, which is, okay, let's say I interact with, let's say, Spotify. And I'm using this example because that's an example that we've also set up. So you can kind of visit our blog and see this example uh, played out. So I, I visit Spotify. I interact with Spotify software. I create a uh, playlist effectively by every time I you know, click on a song that I like. That's data that's created about me. Um, so how do I get that data from Spotify to someone else uh, or somewhere else? Right. If I want to sell that data, which is kind of can be useful, how do I get it out of Spotify? Um, how do I then aggregate it with other people? Because ultimately, it's not really valuable unless I can aggregate it with other people. Um, the world doesn't care just about my playlist choices. I'm not Jay-Z. Uh, or anyone else, not better. <laughs> then how also do I get paid for it, right? Uh, and that's a, also a really big problem because, you know, it's probably not worth $2 a day. Uh, it's probably worth $0.02 cents a day. And the fiat banking system doesn't deal with $0.02 cents a day. and tells you, if I, you know, you'll get shunned and told to go away if you want to, like, operate a system like that. It's way too expensive. So all these problems you have to solve, and actually we've kind of done that. We've we've developed the crypto crypto payment system, Monoplasma. I, I know that uh, George from Linechain has been really fascinated with all of that uh, and and found it useful himself. So um, uh, we've developed that part of it. Uh, the second the uh, way of aggregating that data is also something that we've been able to deal with, and that's not too difficult. Um, and then. Taking that data from Spotify, turns out, you know, you can use things like the OAuth system and legislation like GDPR, which will support this, which is really important um, uh, for sort of basically opening up APIs to individuals and saying, look, you know, I want my data from Spotify. I should be able to take that and shift it to somewhere else and to someone else who can sell it on my behalf. Uh, we can do all of that now. Uh, and so come, I think, probably November. Um, we'll unveil this system and this UI where people can, um, uh, and the tools that people will need to set up these data unions themselves. And that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. So is it going to be, you know, how hard is it would it be for the regular user, let's let's say me, because I'm not a technical guy, you know, full disclosure here for, for me to set up such things. Because as you mentioned, you know, I, a normal user aggregates tons of data, so I see this as huge potential for not only users but also, you know, uh, people in companies that would like to, you know, 
use those uh, this data to 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 aggregate in some way and make some conclusion based on it. So, how hard is that would be? Right. So, you know, if this is going to be in any way difficult, no one's going to do it, right? E- even if you do incentivize people with money, like you just you know too many hoops, no one's going to do it. I, you know, I wouldn't want to do it. Um, so. It's got to be super simple, and it is. That's the good news. Uh, you know, you can do things like permission. You know, when you say for a third-party app wanting to, you know, you sign in with Facebook, right? I don't ever sign in with Facebook because obviously I don't want Facebook to know anything about me. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I only have the Facebook account, by the way, because I had to talk to uh, extremists online. Um, so <laughs> for my job, I really reluctantly had to have a Facebook account. Um, but when you do that, like that's just a couple of clicks, right? Uh, at most, yep. that's what we're looking at for the same thing for permissioning the data. Like when you permission that third party app, like to sign in with them, like they're also reading your data. Uh, that's all that mm-hmm. is, except that it's being sent to a data union and you're going to get paid for that directly. Uh, uh, you'll be able to do these things also in user interfaces themselves. So we hope one day Spotify goes, you know what, right? Uh, we we get this and we're going to give, you know, Spotify sells your data, right? It does actually sell your playlist data to lots of people. It's very expensive and it goes on in these sort of dark data markets. Um, you know, Verizon, uh, all the most of the American mobile phone companies were also selling your data. You just didn't know about it. Um, uh, and even when they said that they wouldn't, they still kept doing it uh, and they might still be doing it now. So everyone's selling everyone's yeah. data behind your back, right? And um, uh, you just don't see any of that happening and you don't know what the prices are. And we, you know, and, and this is terrible both from an economic and an ethical perspective. So we're hoping to bring yeah. that out into the light. Uh, but yes, it's going to be super easy to do and it has to be super easy to do. And, and in the end, we hope that people like Spotify themselves or Facebook or Google just go, you know what? Yeah, we'll integrate this directly into our user interfaces. Uh, and so it'll be even easier. I'm so really happy to hear that, by the way. And if someone from Spotify and all the other streaming companies are listening, you know, you know how to reach out to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so my next question is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's not rather a question, but, you know, thinking out loud. So the business model is that me as a user, I give you access uh, to collect the data and then push it on streamer on marketplace and then on the secondary market, you know, people can, you know, just decide to to buy my data. Am I correct, or am I missing some some piece? To You're it? missing a small piece, um, but it is that just small. So there are other projects out there that say, you know, what we're going to be the central platform, like we're going to sort this out. We're going to be the data brokers for you on your behalf. Now, Streamer isn't doing that. We're just providing those tools, and we've already got people who are uh, coming along and saying, okay, we're going to build the app. Uh, and we're going to be the data brokers for this, and we're going to use your platform to be able to do all of that, right? Uh, and use your decentralized marketplace. So the marketplace should be a neutral, the tools should be neutral to be able to do this, um, and you shouldn't confuse those two different separate interests. Uh, and and also, I don't think we could scale to like, you know, because there's t- tens of thousands of apps that produce potentially very useful data out there, uh, and we aren't in big enough to be able to cope with the data broking businesses for all of that. Uh, nor do we want to be. That would be insane because we want to downscale and be decentralized in the end. Um, so as a centralized sort of entity, if you want. Uh, so we've very much gone for that secondary model. And in a sense, that's the kind of thing that, you know, 
people who are interested in, in the data economy and are changing da- rules and ethics of the data economy will probably know Jaron Lanier's work or Glenn Wiles' work. Um, and I was at Radical Exchange not very long ago, a couple of months. Uh, it was just a fascinating, wonderful conference. I met up with Jaron Lanier's team. And, and anyway, what they've always posited is that uh, what they call mids, uh, they're kind of data brokers who sit in the middle and are kind of, you know, the, the heads of the unions, right? You know, you sign up to a union and then you have union administrators uh, and then the bosses. Um, so they kind of those guys um, and, and they serve, they're supposed to serve your interests. Uh, obviously, there'll be tensions, but they should be professionals. Um, and, and that's basically what the model we're going for. So other people will effectively be competing for your data. And, and you, as the producer of that data, can say, yeah, you know what? I'll send it here and here and here because it doesn't cost you anything. This is the great thing about the digital economy and information. You just press Control-C, right? And give it to everyone, and that's fine. Um, and, and then the competition will be who can create the best kind of data sets, and that's really where the, the competition should be, right? Not who has the monopoly mm-hmm. over the data, but who can actually create the best data products. Then we're into you know a proper open data economy that the one that you know everyone thought would be where the people producing it are getting the rewards you know the thing i really love about this uh, you know this approach and uh, generally what i love about blockchain the reason i'm actually part of the industry is that it's reversing a lot of the models that i think are broken mm. and you know data economy as you mentioned is one of those uh definitely i mean we as the owner of the data are not first aware of that data where that data is going right and then we're not incentivized in any way. I'm not talking about monetary way, but there's tons of way, you know, you can get incentivized for producing that or even you know, a thank you from some company that's making a lot of bucks on you, right? So I really love what you guys are doing. And, you know, I truly look, you know, wish you good luck with uh, with that and, you know, just project pro- progressing over and over. Thanks, man. And Thanks. yeah. So what's the current progress so far? You know, how, how far are you guys? Uh, I know you've been around for quite some time now. I know that you have already some parts of it running, but, uh, you know, what are the next steps and, you know, what's the general the progress so far? So, I mean, I'm head of communications, but um, even I'm not sure whether I should be revealing this, but I'm going to reveal it anyway. <laughs> um, All right. We have a news here. Yes. Uh, so in a few weeks, so we're recording this uh, at the start of May. Uh, by the middle of May, we should have a new set of tools uh, out, uh, certainly in beta form, and that'll be nice. Uh, and those tools are the what we call the editor at the moment. They're just uh, data analysis and visualization tools. They really help with prototyping. If you've got sort of smart contracts and you want to really easily hook that up to real-time events, uh, we've got a kind of modular Canvas system. If people are familiar with Node-RED, it's a bit like that. Uh, we've refreshed those tools, and they're, they're coming out very soon. Uh, the new website should be out soon, too. Then the the really big hitters are the network, as I mentioned, and this thing, community products, right? This new feature on our marketplace uh, called community products, which is kind of consumer-to-business selling, if you want, C to B, right? That's never really happened before. Crowd selling is another way of putting it. Um, we think that the, uh, I can reveal that the crowd selling bot should be out at the beginning of November. Uh, and this is something very new and fresh. We're hoping that the next version of our network, um, 
if you look at our timelines, people are expecting it sometime in the start of Q3. Uh, it might be pushed back just a little bit, but we're going to add in something that we uh, didn't expect, which is peer-to-peer um, -peer sort of encryption. Uh, and that makes it a really mm -hmm. viable uh, um, uh, thing for people to use. And, you know, the utility of which becomes, you know, you could start really using this uh, the network because at the moment there isn't encryption on there and so you you know you have to trust streamer which obviously people don't want to do um, so once we've added the encryption in because it's not easy to do when you've got people dropping in and dropping off in, in a network and you know, have to change the key permissions constantly so how do you do that in an automatic way well I think we kind of got there and we think we can really push this out and launch that sometime again also at the end of October November um, that's pretty exciting if we can do that um, it's very tentative, those plans. But if we can do that, then, you know, for the first time, the de decentralized space will have a way of, you know, porting real-time data on a platform that is edging, if not will be, at sort of decentralized uh, in its architecture. So that, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, actually, you led me to my next question. And that said, how do you see the industry changing because of streamer? You know, as you mentioned, you're reversing the model. So it's consumer to business rather than business to consumer, right? So how, what what changes you, you know, imagine would happen in the future? What do you think, you know, will happen in result of that? I mean, I think so on the data economy side um, and the monetization side, I mean, it Let's assume that it's successful, obviously, because, you know, we, our version could flop. I think generally the notion that users who produce data will own that data, that'll happen, right? Because it's mm -hmm. technically now possible. I think legislation's a really clunky way of getting there, and it would never give you what you want. So GDPR was a, a step towards uh, acknowledging that it's unfair, but not a step towards solving. It has to be solved technologically, this stuff, right? Because it's a problem created by technology and to start with has to be solved by it uh, as well. Um, I think once people get realized, twig, uh, as we'd say in colloquial English, uh, uh, to the notion that, you know, if Google's business model and Facebook's business model is about selling people's data, but they don't have a monopoly on that anymore, and actually anyone can do this, uh, then what happens to the share price of Facebook? Uh, I, would, I would sell my shares instantly. I don't own any shares, but I would uh, sell instantly on the thought that you know, with a, within a couple of years, they're out of their own game. Um, and this is what's really fascinating is that our lawyers have said, and that's just you know, one group of lawyers, but you know, there's a reading of GDPR which says, actually, they, if you're European, Facebook has to give you that open API access to your own data, right? Then I have to give you open mm -hmm. API access to everyone's data, but just to yours. So if you want to sell it, if you want to shift it to someone else and they want to sell it on your behalf, they have to do that under law. They can't refuse that. They can't just shut the API down and say, I'm sorry, um, this is against our terms and conditions. Um, and if they had to do it in Europe, you know, then how are they really going to, in the end, differentiate between that and American? Like, and how long is it going to be before America then doesn't, you know, how can they, they can't wait that long, surely but sitting there with these two completely different systems where, you know, in Europe, users get to benefit from their own data and, and get the money for it. And in America, they're second class citizens in that regard. So, um, yeah, so, so I think that'll change that part. Sorry, that was a long answer. But uh, the, the other bit on the network side, I think it could help to really establish 
neutral ground for smart cities. And we could see the development of that like rapidly speed up once there's like a ground level usable utility, which anyone and everyone can go find. This is neutral ground. We can all use this. Let's not like argue now about which proprietary system we have to use. Let's crack on and, and start connecting things up. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you know the companies like uh, like Facebook and uh, and Google, as you mentioned, they could become like data brokers? You know, right now they're excluding users, uh, you know, fully from the picture. But in the future, they just say, okay, guys, you accumulate the data, we can sell it to third parties, and you get a share of it. You know, this might be a switch. They definitely have to switch the the, the way they approach mm. uh, their businesses. But this might be a thing. I you know, I generally think so. I'd love nothing more, really, than Google saying, you know what, we realize this is untenable and we're going to integrate something like community products uh, into our own user interface. Uh, so, you know, how does that look? You go to Google and in Google Chrome, there's a little plugin uh, or there's a little, it's not a plugin because it's integrated directly, but you just go to the, you know, the cogwheel, click on it and uh, you've got a little page there saying, you know, what do you want to sell? And you do that one time, you've got your Ethereum dress there, and you start earning tokens for that. Uh, every time you know you type in a, a web address, let's say, if that's something you want to sell, great. Uh, if you want to sell only stuff where you go to Amazon and you're shopping around uh, on Amazon through the Chrome browser, right? You can sell that too. Uh, why not, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you can imagine a whole multitude of those things, right? When when bugs appear, instead of having to submit that for free, like let it automatically submit and you get paid a bit for that. Why not? So that's what I'd like. I'd love to see that world. Um, that's the world that I, I want to force people to, to create uh, because that's the, the, the slightly fairer and more just one. There's ethical issues with that too, um, but it's definitely the right path. You suddenly flipped the, the, the power balance and, and that so it's the first necessary step. Mm-hmm. And how do you see the industry changing? And what I mean by industry, I'm talking about the blockchain space. You know, uh, we we saw the, the the boom and burst of the of the ICO craze. Uh, now we're seeing a more sustainable development, and you know the enterprise is leading the way. But what's your take in the future? You know, what do you think going to happen? You know, it's a prediction thing, I know. <laughs> but yeah. still. I mean, no one, you know. It's most sane people don't like sure. making predictions. Um, so only narcissists really like making predictions on a regular basis. There was one saying that people are really good at one thing and uh, that is making bad predictions. That, that is certainly <laughs> true. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, let, let me try and answer it by saying what I like. Uh, and and, and, uh, and that, that's a very normative thing as well. Like what, what also I think should work is related to the things that I believe in. So I really like, for example, uh, I mean, I said, I started this by saying like I got into blockchain because of the the cooperative aspect of this. And I think actually a lot of dApps and projects that are being created in Ethereum are actually digital cooperatives, right? That's what they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're like, how do we address different stakeholders here, not just the users and the creators of the programs, but all sorts of other people who have an interest in running these systems uh, and, uh, and and I find that fascinating. So there's a there's a project that I really love called Kickback, uh, which is basically Eventbrite, but instead of paying or going to something for free uh, through a centralized Eventbrite sort of system, actually they they are sort of 
kickback is a sort of centralized thing. So it's not completely decentralized uh, in that sense. And I don't think that always needs to be the case. Um, what they say is, is they say you just stake on the event. And if you turn up, you get your stake back. And if you don't turn up, you lose your stake. But that stake then goes and is split between all the people who did turn up, right? So actually, you get rewarded for going to an event. Uh, and you actually make money by doing that. And that's, and, you know, I've done it before and I made a little bit of money going to an event that I liked, I wanted to go to in the first place, you know? So it's not like, I mean, it's an onerous thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to do, to get both. And it's awesome. I'm like, great. That's a wonderful kind of interesting new economic model. And it's sort of semi-cooperative in a sense, but uh, I love stuff like that. And that you can do with crypto and blockchain. And that, you know, that that's fascinating, that intersection between, you know, money is um, money is just a piece of money is just information, uh, but it's also a social tool. Uh, and when you connect those things up, that's just it's in these more creative ways. That's just mind blowing. I love that stuff. Like, I can't get enough of it. Um, decentralized finance in that regard is is awesome. Um, I'm loving what Brave is doing. Um, you know, who doesn't find what Maker is doing fascinating um, with Dai? Uh, you know, all, all these things are awesome. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more. And then the governance side of things is absolutely uh, fascinating too. Um, I think there's been a lot of focus on sort of what Aragon is doing, but uh, there's a few other things coming out of the of the woodwork on that front. And um, uh, Colony is is in that regard, I think, going to be really fascinating. I haven't seen the, the user interface yet or how the tools are going to work, but knowing the team really well, uh, or, or yeah, pretty well meeting them with them, and uh, we're we're looking at uh, working with them too quite closely in Streamer. Uh, I think what they have is is pretty fascinating. Great, thank you. Uh, what would be the one thing you wish for the future? You know, both uh, streamer wise, blockchain wise, life wise. That's a <laughs> that's a great question. So, from a streamer's perspective. I mean, I really hope that it, we manage to contribute to a more like ethical world or digitally ethical world. Um, you know, if, if one of our two gambits can work, that would be awesome. I don't want to live in a world where London is run by Amazon or Amazon has a God's eye view into not just like when I use my computer, or when I buy some stuff or heaven for Fend, like I get an Alexa and they can listen to everything in my house. But just imagine like literally everything you do being known by Amazon or something like it. That would be awful. I don't want that future. And I don't want my kids to live in that future. Uh, and so, you know, if mm -hmm. we're going to, and we're inevitably going to trade convenience for freedom. We've been doing it for, uh, you know, the last decade, uh, if not longer. Uh, and uh, so let's not make that trade anymore because it doesn't have to be that way. So that, that that would be one wish, mm -hmm. um, and 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 with that too, obviously, you know that uh, again, people have some form of control and sovereignty over their property rights uh, when it comes to their information. Uh, for me personally, um, I hope, like genuinely, I can contribute in some way. I hope that I can write that that book and come back to it. And that's not just because like <laughs> it's there and it's kind of half done and it's frustrating me, but actually because again. You know, books are, what are books? They're just memes, like, you know, bigger sets of information sets. And um, and, and I know that books and ideas have, have influenced me. And I know that you know, things that I've written have also influenced other people. And 
and you realize not just the the power in that but the humility in being able to say uh, you know I, I i put some effort in and, and other people change their point of view um there, there's a real uh uh yeah it's it's kind of you know it makes you humble because you realize there's a power in it so if, you know if i can communicate the notion of cooperatives a bit more widely uh, and if it's an idea that appeals I, you know i'd love to be able to to do that all right some final words for our listeners uh do something you believe in uh always do something that you're passionate about because then life is just such a joy uh and the piece of wisdom that i'm, I'm most enamored with at the moment is uh You know, time. It's all about time. You can always make more money. You can always make new friends even. You can always uh, apologize for past mistakes and learn from them. But the one thing no one is ever going to give you is a second of time. That's it. And I did not learn that. I was saying that before. Uh, I saw that repeated by uh, Iron Man in Avengers, in the latest Avengers movie. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was already saying that before. I was like, you know, it's true. It's just, it's just about time. Uh, yeah, the, the latest Avengers, you know, a great source uh, of wisdom. Also, that though, go see, go see it, go watch that <laughs> while also, you know, binging on game, the end of Game of Thrones. Full disclosure: we're not in any way associated with Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Shift, thank you for being our guest, and I truly wish you good luck and you know all the success with Streamer and everything with the books. I also wish for you to finish your book until the end of this year and all of us have the joy and the privilege to read it. Thanks, man. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks for your time. Hey guys, thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Blockchain Meditation Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and comment and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. See you soon.